0: You are listening to the Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Life Church, including our gathering times at Fisher's, Eagle Creek, Noblesville, Pendleton, or our Life Crew online, visit us at LifeChurchIN.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Derek Lopez. Hey, everyone. You all enjoying service so far? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, it's, it's a wonderful day. Uh, the, it stopped raining. Aren't you so thankful for that? <laughs> hey, we'll be in 2 Samuel chapter 4 is where we'll be today. But once again, I have a story for you about our family. And I told this story first service, but I was corrected by my wife <laughs> about how it really went down. So you're going to get the more accurate version of the story. Uh, we, go, we went on a trip. Last year to Chattanooga, Tennessee with all of our kids in the van. I think we left the twins, the three youngest we left at home. Um, But we traveled, you know, nine hours, and it was a long trip, and we're pretty close to home. We're in Shelbyville, and I'm on the phone with my uncle, and we're talking about something while I'm driving, so shame on me. (laughs) Remember, I said I'm not the best driver. There we go. But uh so I'm talking to him on the phone and three of our girls are in the row behind us. We have a big twelve passenger van. And um we just hear, oh no. And so I go I we look I look back and she goes, I, I can't hold it and then and I say, Well don't throw up on me <laughs> and and I scoot away and then she goes like this, and then it, it just all over her sisters. She's in the middle, all over the walls. And I and I go oh oh oh. I'm rolling the window down. I'm like I gotta go. Kid throw up. So I hang up. I'm gagging. Josie's a champ. She's like here, baby. It's okay. And I'm like don't don't get throw up over here. Right. Thinking about myself. I I have my head out the window all the way home. Going oh oh oh. It smells so bad. Kids are gagging in the car, man, that was wonderful. How I told the story first service, like I was under control, I was not under control at all. She was totally right. I was like, oh, I remember that now. She's like, of course you do now remember that you didn't handle it well. So uh, it wasn't funny in the moment, but it's funny now. Um, It was like a movie, I'm on the phone, gotta go, man. So you'd be blessed with that somehow. Um, but yeah, so let's pray. <laughs> uh, Father God, we're thankful, Lord, for, for your church, for you and who you are. Lord, we pray today that your word would move in our lives and in our hearts, God. Lord, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be among us, Lord, and as you already are, but, but do something great, and God, I ask that you would help use me today to be a blessing to people. May you be honored and glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said amen, amen. Amen. Hey, well, uh, we're in 2 Samuel. To give you all a recap, uh, the kingdom is divided between the north and the south. There Ishbosheth, who is one of Saul's sons, who is king in the north, and then David, obviously, in the south. And what happens is there are these rival uh, generals over the nation, uh, one in the north, one in the south. There's Abner, who's of, who's a commander of Saul's army, and then there's Joab, who's the commander of David's army. And it, it happens to where Abner gets upset with Ishbosheth because he gets called out for a sin that he's committed. Possibly he he gets accused of something, so he says, "I'm going to give the kingdom to David." So so he goes and starts to make those moves in chapter three. And before he can, he can get the kingdom set up for David, it happens where Joab, the commander of David's army, kills him in cold blood and, and, it, it, and the nation is mourning for him, and there's an uproar. So Ishbosheth has been placed as king by Abner. Abner's the one who said, he's going to be king over Israel." So that leads me to chapter four. It says, "Now Ishbosheth which also means man of shame, which is important. It says, Saul's son had heard that Abner, that he had died in Hebron, his courage failed, and all of Israel was horrified. So Ishbosheth realizes in this moment that his days are numbered. He understands Abner's the one who put me on the throne. He's the one who, who really has the clout with the men. He's the one who has all the influence and my time is running short. So it says his courage, his courage failed. But why did his courage fail? Well, his hope was in a man. His hope was in a strong man, a military man, an uncle. And it was in a prince. So the first question I have for you today is, what is your trust in? Is it in a human being? Is it something that's flesh and blood. From dust we are to dust we shall return. We can't put our hope in people. People will let us down. And the Bible says that every heart, every heart is evil. And we can't put our hope in, whether it's ourselves or a treasure, a possession, all of that will fade away. It's all going to burn up. We need to put our trust in the Most High God. And Abner had his trust in his uncle and a family member, but I don't think he really, even though Abner told him, I'm going to transfer the kingdom. I don't don't know that he really understood that fully, that that was going to happen. So he has this trust in him. His courage fails because his shield, which is a man, an uncle and a prince, who he has his trust in, it fails him. Psalms 146, verse 3 through 5 says this, it says, do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Abner's plans came to nothing. But blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. What is your trust in? Second... Second uh, verse is this. It says that, and Saul's, son had, and Saul's son had two men who were commander of troops. So ish had commander of troops. It says, well, the n- name of one of them was Bahana, banana, banana. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. His name means son of affliction or son of response. And we see that later that he's a person of affliction. In the name of the other, Rechab, which means horseman. I don't really think that matters here, but just so you know his name, it means horseman. The sons of Ramon the Berothite, the, of the sons of Benjamin, for Beroth is also considered part of Benjamin, and the Beroths fled to Gittim and have lived there as strangers until this day. So what happened was there were these four cities of the Hittites, and they basically get uh, told by Joshua, hey, you can live among the land, you'll be a part of us, and they end up coming to be a part of Israel. So they are a part of Benjamin, but they're, they're not in a way too, because they're, you know, they're, they're foster they're adopted in, in a way. Uh, so then that happens, they, they set up these two men, Banana and Rahab, right? These two guys, and then there's a break in the scripture verse 4 says now jonathan saul's son had a son who was disabled in both feet and it's kind of funny that that there's this break in scripture because it's ta- it starts talking about something completely opposite and then it goes back to the two men but it says he was disabled in both feet when he was five years old when news of saul and jonathan came from it, from jezreel And his nurse picked him up and fled, but it happened that in her hurry, she fell and could no longer walk. And his name was Mephibosheth. So, what happens is now at this time, he's 12 years old. He's around 12 because David ruled in Hebron seven years, and then he basically takes over the kingdom, and this is the end of Ishbosheth's reign. And so, uh, so he's about 12, but it, it takes us back to when he was five. So, and it's mentioned because he's the next heir. There's ish and then it goes straight to Mephibosheth. But he ends up, the caretaker, the nurse, takes him, and I think she was trying to protect him, like, hey, we could be killed, you're the next in line, let's go. She's trying to save the kingdom, the next heir. So she takes him, and then and in her haste, she makes mistakes, and drops him possibly down some steps on some stone, breaks his feet, messes him up. And so she was trying to do good. She was trying to, to do the best that she could to support him. So the first question is, what is your trust in? But the second question is, how do you respond to emotion? How do you respond to emotions? When you get bad news, do you get all in a frizzy, all upset? Do you make mistakes? It's, it's a principle in home defense is you need to practice home defense because in the moment when somebody comes in the home, you have, you have all these emotions and feelings and adrenaline going, so your body may not respond correctly to what you need to do. It's important that we put our emotions underneath our spirit. You know, one thing that I like to do is I like to pray. Because I need prayer. We all need prayer. But if I'm struggling, I'll say, Lord Jesus, Father, Father God, I'm struggling. So, Lord, I ask you to help me. I pray that that my flesh would be under my soul and my soul would be underneath my spirit. And that you would rule and reign. Help me with my emotions. Take a minute. How do you respond to emotions 2 Timothy verse 1 or chapter 1 verse 7 says for God has not given us a spirit of timidity but of love of power and of discipline do you do you walk in love do you walk in discipline would you say can you look in the mirror and say I'm a person of discipline and that hits me too because I love queso I love Isis, right? But I want to be a person of discipline. The Bible says that I have a spirit of discipline. I have a spirit of love. I have have a sound mind, the Scripture says. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is made perfect in love. We want to be people of love, amen. Yes. We don't want to just respond to emotion, and we want to be people of love. So then the scripture moves on, verse 5 says, So the sons of Ramon, the Berothite, Rechab, and Banana, they departed and came to the house of Ishbosheth. These two, these two jokers. They, they in the heat of the day, while he was taking his midday rest. It says that they came into the interior of the house as if they were going to get some wheat. So he's asleep. He he takes a rest. He was the king. He probably shouldn't have been resting in that moment, especially knowing, hey, someone could possibly kill me. Abner's dead. They came into the interior of the house to get wheat, and they struck him in the belly. And Rahab and his brother, Benhan, Banana, escaped. i am be honest. I'll not say that name right. So... These two guys, Bahana, I think. Bana. They pretended to get wheat. So remember the beginning of the scripture though says that they, that these two men were of the tribe of Benjamin. What was the tribe that Saul was from? Benjamin. So what does that make these two men when they came in and killed him? Makes them Traitors. To their own people. Verse 7 says Now, when they came into the house, as he was lying on his bed in the bedroom, they struck him and killed him and beheaded him. And they took his head and traveled by way of the Arabah, the desert, all night. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron. And they said to the king, Behold, the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy who sought your life. So the Lord has given the king vengeance on this day, has given vengeance on Saul and on his descendants. What were their motives? It was that they might be rewarded, and these were commanders under him. The Bible says in Hebrews, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. David could see right through it. We'll see in the scripture. Verse nine says, but David replied to them, to the sons of Ramon, the Berothite, and and he said to them, as the Lord lives, and I could see him with his arms crossed possibly, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all distress, when the one who informed me, saying, behold, Saul is dead, I also, he also viewed himself as the bearer of good news. I seized him and I killed him as Ziglag. Now you can see these, these men, their eyes get real big, like, uh-oh. He said, which was the reward I gave him for his news? And he said, how much more when wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house on his bed? Shall I not require the blood of your hands to eliminate you both from the earth? Then David commanded the young men, and they killed them and cut off their hands and feet and hung them beside the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in a grave of Abner in Hebron. They received capital punishment. So, the first question is this What is your trust in? How do you respond to emotions? And I have a, I have a question that will show, but another question that, that I think is a better question than what I prepared is Do you hide motives from the king? Do we hide motives from him? Because he can, see, he can see right through us. If David could see through our king of kings, the Lord of lords, he sees right through our motives. And what, this is the question, what do you bring before your king? Do you, if you're making a sale, if you're a salesperson, are you a little bit dishonest because no one will know? Do you undercut your employer a little bit with taking more breaks than you should? Saying be, it's not gonna hurt anything. The Bible says that we're laid bare before the eyes of him who sees all. He knows. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Even in laughter. The heart may ache and rejoice and may end in grief. Our way can seem right but really it's it's about his way. In a life dominated by centered by self-centered motives will end in severe judgment. Are your motives self-centered? I would ask this question and think about this. Do I make judgments of others based on self-centered motives? Worship team, you can come. Who's the judge? Have you appointed yourself as a judge? I ask myself that a lot. Am I, am I appointing myself as a judge? I wanted to have a conversation the other day. I really wanted to have this conversation with this person. I felt I was justified in it. But then I thought, Am I want, I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation. I really want to confront this person. Is that, is that, is this of the Lord or is this of Derek? Is this of me? It's important to examine our hearts and ourselves. So I just went home because I figured it was me. It wasn't gonna bring any fruit. John chapter 12 says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He wants everyone to be saved. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words, but the very words I have spoken will condemn them in the last day. Do you judge others? The Bible says this in Matthew 7, verse 2. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure measure you use it, it will be measured to you. I don't like that verse very much. Do you? I know this is a little bit of a convicting message. But it's important we examine our hearts. And the theme of this whole message is who do we put our trust in? Who do you put your trust in? is it in you? Are you the decision maker? Are you the judge? I'm not saying that, that to say if, that we should just live lives like, like we don't live in the world and that, that we don't need jobs. That's not what I'm saying. We need to understand that we need to entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. Think about this. David calls Ishbosheth righteous. And he, didn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't come back and, and confront these men. If he was righteous and died, if he really was righteous and died, and even then he confronts Abner for a possible sin, I think that he probably lived a pretty righteous life in a way, a high standard at least. What should we do? Even if someone hurts us, even if... Even if one day we're killed because we're Christians, because that day could come here on the earth. We're going to see who stands. You see that the two men that were with Ishbosheth, as soon as the tide turns, they end up going the other direction. And we're going to see the church be put to the fire a little bit, whether we stand and we remain faithful to our Savior or not. And it's important that we. And trust ourselves to Him who judges justly, no matter what pain we have, no matter what hurt we have. Who do you trust? If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcast. Our mission is simple come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.